I'm just going to chat for a few minutes. And probably uh, for the next few weeks, um, uh, we're going to have kind of a little time together where we can just share about uh, how we're moving forward as a church. We, we are in a transition, um, uh, but it, it's nothing that God isn't aware of, right? Right? He's totally aware of it. But do we really like change? Anybody like change? No? I didn't see anybody raise their hand. I actually do. A sick person over there, a sick person over here. Nobody really likes change. They're just deceived. <laughs> but we are changing in, in a way where, you know, Pastor Stewart talked about it last week, that, that God is saying, get on with it. Get on with it. And that means there's, there's a whole bunch of things that need to happen. And I just want to talk to you and kind of let you know where we're at. And we're going to do this um, from now for a while, uh, just so that you are aware we're moving forward in what God has for us. Just to let you know, Jody is still uh, on sabbatical. She's on a working sabbatical now. We've kind of extended it a little. And you might think, gee, shouldn't she, like, be better by now? She's a woman of faith. Shouldn't she, like, be over this? And... I just, I just want to encourage you, um, you know, and, and that's a really normal thing to think, right? Mm-hmm. Do you guys agree? Mm-hmm. It's a normal thing to think. But it, it's funny because yesterday I, I was reading something from someone who's a dear friend of mine, and, and they were saying that after eight years, they finally put their daughter's clothes away that were, um, you know, she had passed away eight years ago. And how difficult it was and how she needed help with it. It is an amazing thing that we are in relationship. And it really speaks of the lordship of Christ in our lives. And, 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 and just about his desire to have relationship with us. That we would have relationships with each other. And it would be so intensely intimate mm-hmm. and relational. Right. That we would have to walk through a mourning process that could last for a long time. And we're very confident that Jody is on a great course of moving forward. Don't you think that she's capable of doing that with the Lord? She is. But we really feel, because we are a healthy church, because we are able to do this, and we have a great leadership team We have a great staff. We have great pastors. We have a a wonderful team that meets quarterly. That's our our One Heart, One Mind team. It's over 60 leaders that work together. We are organized to move forward in the Lord. That organization was set up by Eric and Jody, and the instructions have been given, and we are following those instructions. Now, it's very obvious Eric is not here. And it's very obvious that Jody is going to be sporadically here for a little while. But guess what? Her leadership is here. Yes. You're looking at one of them. And there are many, many others in the congregation and those that are serving all over this building that are moving forward representing her leadership. Don't think that that is not happening just because she's not here. And I just want to comfort with you with that, that, that she is actively moving things forward through the leaders that God and Eric and her and the four square leaders have set up at this church. Does that make you feel better? Yes. Good. I think it should. So one aspect of the direction of, of our church that we started over a year ago was that we started putting together a teaching team. And it's something that we've been wanting to do for a long time. We felt it was the right time to do it. And so you've noticed that there's been several other faces up here besides uh, that Indonesian guy that used to be up here all the time, right? And, uh, and our, we are so glad that God helped us to figure that out before we would have uh, really been behind the eight ball when he went to be with the Lord. But um, now... Um, you know, because Jody is taking some time, that team is, is a little smaller. And so uh, we've asked uh, some new people to come in to be a part of that team that we're very excited about. Um, a teaching team is, is full of teachers. Doesn't that make sense? Duh. <laughs> 
But, but some of those teachers are actually pastors. Not all of them, but some of them are pastors. But all of them are proven in the gift of teaching. And we wanted that so that we can give you a diversity of, of discipleship, that you could have a vibrant uh, conversation with, with different ways of thinking, different ways of teaching, so that uh, we can grow as a congregation. Don't you think that's a good thing? But not everyone's a pastor. The one that is speaking today is a pastor. He's been a pastor at the Adventure for over 12 years, and he planted uh, the Adventure American Fork Church, and he is a great leader. He is currently uh, working as a, a hospice chaplain, which is one of the great areas of pastorship, uh, and I'm, I, I admire it very much because there's, it's such a need. And uh, he has so much to offer. He is a wonderful pastor, and he knows the word inside and out. He's going to be great at communicating things to us today. Could you guys welcome Pastor Joe Novotny? You know, today is a, it's a bittersweet uh, day for me. Uh, I, on, on one hand, uh, the sweet aspect of it is um, I, I haven't been in Draper for some time, and it's great to come back and see old friends and old faces not necessarily that your faces have gotten older, but you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> right. Um, it's good to see and, and be with friends. And uh, people that you've walked with over time that have proven themselves um, authentic uh, and real and people that you could grow with in, in Christ. And so, you know, I got to see some people this morning. It's just awesome. Um, the, the bitter side of it for me is because I think this is the first time that I've been back uh, since Eric died. And um, I, I knew it was coming. I knew I was thinking and praying this morning. I realized, okay, you know, some of the emotions are going to be there. Um, and I'll have to process them. But um, I also realized that I'm not the only one that's grieving. You know, and, and Ira, and I just want to appreciate and commend Ira and there's others among you that have established themselves as leaders, that they're grieving as well. They, they also have lost a friend, and they've also lost a pastor. And uh, I think it's important to acknowledge that. Can, so would you mind if we just take just a few seconds to just uh, acknowledge that grief? Can we, can we do that? And just would you think of Eric and his smile and maybe something that he's spoken into your life? Can you do that? Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. So I, I appreciate the guys that uh, came in earlier and the media team. They got me all set up and had put all these wires around my head and helped to get me all dressed up because I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I appreciate the media team. Appreciate the worship team and leading us in worship, right? They did an awesome job. Everybody but Pete, because Pete was kind of pitchy. Did you notice that? <laughs> Is he here? And there's a couple harmony uh, parts that uh, he totally blew. But I, and I only say that because every time I come on Sunday morning and I forgot about it, Pete is always hurling insults at me. It's like, Pete, what did I do wrong? You know? It's like, but no, you've you got to love Pete. I'm just, I'm just kidding. They, they were awesome. Um, uh, Psalm chapter 1. We um, have been doing a series and um, the, the values of successful people, the values of successful people. And um, I, I get to share today, I think probably, at least my opinion is, um, probably the most important value, which is the Word of God. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree with that? It's, and and um, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that, 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 that all Scripture is inspired of God. And it's profitable for what? Rebuke, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness that the man of God may, or woman of God may be complete. And so when we look at the word of God today, we are reading the very breath of God, the very words of God. And aren't you thankful for that? 
And there was a scripture that I wanted to share earlier. I'm going to share it now. And I'll go back to it. And by the way, I have a lot of different scriptures that I'm going to be sharing that won't be up on the PowerPoint. But first Peter says this. He says, all flesh is like grass and all of its glory is like the flower of grass. You know this, right? The grass withers, the flowers falls, but the word of our God, what? Stands forever. Let's say it again. The word of our God stands forever. God's word is eternal. We can trust that. And according to Scripture, when everything that you see today and experience and drive and eat, all of those things one day are going to fade away. But the one word of God, the true word of God, is eternal, and it will stand forever and ever and ever. Amen? Amen. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. So um, let's go to Psalm 1, and we're going to read this. Psalm 1 says, says this, and you guys are familiar with this. It says, Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates both day and night. The same same phrase in a different translation is his delight is in the word of God, okay? Uh, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does prospers. Don't you, don't you love that scripture? And so when we talk about Uh, The values of successful people, we talk about success and what makes them successful, okay? And so you look at the world and you have a different definition of of a worldview. So when we read the Bible, we, we, we have a biblical worldview. When we walk out and mingle and listen to the culture that speaks to us, it's often a secular worldview, is it not? Right? So as Christians, as believers, as followers in Jesus, our desire, our heart is to get into God's word and allow it to speak to us. And according to Romans 12, what? The Bible says we're not to allow or let the world conform us or push us into its mold, but we're to be what? Transformed by the word of God. And so it's very, very important. You know, we, we're not about rules around here. We're not about rules. We're about relationship. And so when we talk about reading the Bible, we're not talking about necessarily every day being rigid. And, you know, some of us are kind of like that in their minds. You're, you know, you're very concrete and you like to put things in order. And that's okay if that works for you. But when we talk about reading the Word of God, we're talking about having a relationship with God. Right? Amen. Everybody say amen. Right. Right. We're talking about having a relationship with God and allowing it to speak to us. And I remember when I was a, a young believer, and you guys have had these experiences too, so I don't, I don't share them because it makes me any better than you. I just know how God has communicated to me and how he's spoken to me. But as a young believer, it was really important to me to know what the will of God was for my life. And I was in the military, and I was, I was just praying. It's like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Want, want me to get out? I feel like you have something else for me. I almost felt like the mission field, and here I am in Utah, you know? And here I'm in Utah. But I remember one day walking in, and I opened up my Bible, and I sat at the little table in the barracks, and I think I had like six different roommates, and I finally had some quiet time. And I remember opening up the book of John, the Gospel of John, and it literally, it literally glowed to me. I mean, it was amazing to me just as I read it. And I felt like the anointing of God was so powerful and, and, and so strong at that time. And it just, it, just, it just spoke to me. It was amazing. And I realized, you know what? This is not just another book, right? This is not just another letter that I'm reading. It is the literal word of God that he has spoken And aren't you thankful that God has given us his word? And so God has given us his word to understand who he is. 
and to have a relationship with him. If you want to know Jesus, get into God's word, right? If you want to know what God's will is for your life, get into God's word. If you're needing direction, get into God's word. And so that's, that's kind of what we're going to spend some time uh, looking at today. But I, I just want to acknowledge, and I, we acknowledge, we took a moment to acknowledge um, Eric, um, but I just want to acknowledge our leadership team too, and Ira, and um, some of those that are here today, and Jody. And I am so thankful that Jody can take some time off, aren't you? And I'm so thankful that as Jody takes the needed time off to find some healing and some rest, that there's adequate leadership in the church. And all of you here today, you bring gifts and, 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 and skills to the church that through your service, the body grows. So that's, that's good. And so when we look at success, uh, I think w- one thing that we could be, agree on, when the Bible talks about the world's definition of success, or when you listen to some of your employers or employees or peers out in the secular world, I think when we talk about what success looks like, we're looking at a lifestyle of enjoyment and luxury, right? And, and we know this. Some of us have been around for a long time. And oftentimes, the people that we work with, their pursuit is what? To build up their 401k, to get a nice house, to drive a nice car. Gosh, I love some of the brand new Jeeps that have just come out, the 2017. I would love to have one. So if you have an extra $30,000 and you want to donate, I'll, I'll take you to Moab, I promise. But you know what? There's really, there's nothing wrong with any of those things in and of themselves. There really isn't. There's nothing wrong with having money in, in the bank or an IRA or a nice house, all of those things. What's wrong with it is if that's your only life, life's pursuit. And because scripture says that the love of money is what? The root of all evil. And when your only life's pursuit and my only life's pursuit is to get the paycheck, then there's a problem. Your priorities are out of order or my priorities are out of order, right? Can, can you agree with that? And so um, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? All of these things will be added to you. God's, God's not against a nice Jeep as long as you share it with your pastors. So um, God, what's, what's, now this is my own personal definition of of God's success that I've used kind of just over the years. Um, I, I would say that God's definition of success is faithfulness and fruitfulness. Faithfulness and fruitfulness. And so um, we're going to get to that in just a moment. Okay, so let's look at Psalm 1. It says, blessed is what the man or the woman. Um, that word blessed, some, some of your translations will read happy. Um, it's an interesting word because... Uh, you know, oftentimes you walk around the, in the Christian circles, it's like, hey, bro, I'm blessed today. I'm blessed. You know, what does that mean? Well, I, I, I think a big part of it is, is that there's a sense of contentment in our walk with God. As, as believers, you're, you're, you know, you may not have all of the money in the bank. And you may not know where tomorrow's paycheck is coming from. And maybe there might be some tension in a relationship that you're having. But there's still a sense of contentment because you know what? God's in control. And you know somehow, some way that God is going to establish his purpose and has a purpose for you and and for me, right? In in the midst of it. And so when he says blessed is that person, it comes with a sense of contentment, of knowing who's in charge, right? So he says blessed or happy is that person, right? So who who is that person? Right? When we read Psalm 1, there's a contrast between the righteous and the wicked. All right? Now, it's interesting. Um, I, I kind of, sometimes I'll try to rephrase things, and I apologize. I don't know if Ira put up the, the, the points there, but sometimes I'll try to rephrase things. And so I wrote, blessed is the man or the woman who rejects advice from those without God or the ungodly. So when he Un- ungodly, those without God. And so that, that might seem kind of harsh um, to you, but the Bible uses different terms. 
And sometimes, especially if you're a new believer and you're trying to maneuver through the landscape, it's just like, gosh, well, what does it mean to be, you know, the wicked person or the ungodly person or the righteous or the, or the sinner? So it's important to take some time to, to do a little bit more research or ask somebody who's mentoring you, right? right? But the idea of the ungodly or the wicked, the idea behind that is this person is beyond reasonable or expected, all right? So blessed is the man who does what? He rejects advice from those without God. Um, it's, it's an active stance of saying no to the counsel and the advice from those without God. Or those who actually, I believe, can be translated, live to sin. Is that okay to say? Right? So we're talking about the ungodly. So um, he, he says, blessed is that man or woman who rejects the advice of those without God. Now, that, that might be kind of harsh, but we're going we're gonna to look at it a little bit deeper in, in a couple of more minutes. Um, another translation might say, does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. So all of us are looking for counsel, right? Typically, all of us are looking for advice, how to live, um, how to make decisions. There's lots of people that are willing to give advice, right? Sometimes when you don't want it, Right? Where do you and where do I typically get our advice and our counsel from when you, when you need it? Now, the right answer is I go to my pastor or I go to a friend of mine that he's trustworthy, right? And, that, and those are the right answers. You go to somebody that you've watched them live and serve God and that you've watched them make the right decisions, and that's the person you go to and say, listen, I, you know, uh, can you pray for me? I'm, I'm going through a situation right now at work, or I'm in a situation with my relationship with my wife, and you go to that person and you get counsel. That's the right answer. But can I say this to you, that I think often, more than we are even aware of it, subliminally, we are receiving and bombarded and inundated with the, the messages of the world, right? The, the culture of the world. And if you don't see it up on the billboards or you don't see it on television and the, on the commercials, you hear it on the radio, right? And did you know that there are people out in the world, right, that are ungodly, that are wicked people, that don't share the same values we do as the, in the Word of God, or as families related, there are people out there that have an agenda. And you know what their agenda is? Is to make you think just like them and make you believe the same thing they believe. How many knows that to be true? Absolutely. And so Psalm 1 says, the first thing he says, blessed is the man what? Or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Right? Does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Proverbs 33:11 says this, the counsel, I love it, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. Psalm 119:24, your testimonies also are my delight. Listen, they are my counselors. And if you read that, the, a, a good translation would say they are the men of my counselors. Which means it's just like President Obama, the president. He has a presidential cabinet that consists of all the department heads. And they sit down and, you know, they're drinking their Starbucks coffee or whatever they do. Whatever they do, right? But, you know, President Obama says to the Department of Defense director, hey, listen, I need some input on this Iraq thing or ISIS or whatever. So he has a presidential cabinet, and I love what David says here in Psalm 1. He says, he says, I delight in your testimonies, O God. They are my counselors. Don't, don't you love that? And so what David is saying to you and to me as believers and, and followers of, of Jesus, whenever we need counsel, yes, we can go to our leaders. Yes, we can go to our proven mentors. But ultimately, we go to the Word of God. Amen? And they are, they are our counselors. So, um, he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, 
What time is it? Okay, 8.45. Secondly, does not allow, or I'm sorry, does not follow the example of sinners. Another translation would say does not stand in the way of sinners. Sinner, we're familiar with it, it's an archery term. And so when I go, and Greta bought me this really neat 9mm Smith & Wesson, and when I go down to the guns and ammo, we put up a target and there's, there's this target there, and you, the goal is what? Some of you guys know this, to hit the middle of it, <laughs> right? That's, that's the goal, right? So when the Bible talks about sinners, the mark is the, what? The will of God. That's the center. That's, that's the aim as far as you and I. The aim, our goal, is to what? Know the will of God and to do it. Right? And so when the Bible talks about a sinner, it talks about somebody shooting, it's an archery term, and he's actually missing the mark. And so guess what? We all qualify as sinners. Is that okay to say? Does that offend anybody? Um, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Listen, when I got saved, you didn't have to tell me I was a sinner. You didn't have to tell me. It's like, well, tell me something I don't know. And that's when the good news of the gospel was incredible. Right? And, and I always say that the gospel is the greatest news that you'll hear today. Right? Tell me, tell me, tell me better news than that. Right? That Jesus Christ, Pete quoted it, I believe. The Bible says in Romans that while we were still sinning, God demonstrated his love for us. And he died on the cross for us. He sent Jesus Christ. That, that blows me away. Isn't God's love amazing? Right? Isn't God's love amazing? And so all of us fall into that category of being a sinner. All of us have missed the mark. But thank God for Jesus. And 1 Corinthians 5.17 says this, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become what? The righteousness of God in him. That's, that's fantastic. That, because of that, we can stand before God holy and perfect. Because of Jesus, we hit the mark. We nail it. We don't have to take a couple of shots at it. We nail it. Praise God, right? So we nail it. And it says, so he says, it does not follow in the example of, of sinners. Um, thirdly, it says, does not sit with those who reject God. And that was my little... Uh, paraphrase there, but your translation might say, sit in the seat of scoffers. You ever met a scoffer? Really, truly? I think they're demonic. I'm telling you, if you've ever truly met a scoffer, and I had a situation over Facebook and somebody who had left my church, that before I knew it, everything was so out of hand, and there was accusations that were being made towards me and towards the church. And people just kept on, people that I didn't even know that didn't even know me. They just started jumping on the bandwagon. And I remember reading those, and it was, it was at a time of vulnerability for me, and it was harsh. And I felt like there was a demonic spirit behind it. And I think, that, I think that's accurate to say. Um, if you want to read what a scoffer says, go back to, go back to Luke chapter 16. And, and you'll read about all the people that um, uh, insulted and spoke insults to Jesus. Right? And uh, um, Saying all of these things like, if, you were, if you're truly the son of God, come down. You saved others, save yourself. Um. It's harsh. So, so he says this. He says, the person that God blesses does not sit with those who reject God, right? Or sit with those that are seated as scoffers, okay? As a scoffer, this is what you do. You mock, you ridicule, you scorn the belief of others. Be careful about being a scoffer. Is that, is that okay to say? Listen to this. Proverbs 13.20 says this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. 
but the companion of fools will suffer harm. 2 Peter 3.3 says this, Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. And what are they saying? Where is the promise? Where's the promise that God gave to you? Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar as far as anybody that you might work with or a family member who sits back and scoffs at your faith? And some of us are going through a time now that you're, you're, you're just holding on to the Word of God. Every, every situation in your life dictates otherwise, right? And there seems to be uncertainty that you're, the, the, the time and the season that you're walking in, and the only thing you have to do is to hold on the Word of God, and there are people in your life scoffing. And they're questioning you. That's what a scoffer does. Let me, let me, let me share a scripture with you. Proverbs 3.34 says this, Though he scoffs at the scoffers, he gives grace to the afflicted. He scoffs at the scoffers, obviously speaking of God. Can I share another scripture with you? Listen to this. Wisdom, listen to, wisdom cries aloud in the street. This is Proverbs 1. In the markets, wisdom. It's, when the Bible talks about wisdom in Proverbs, it's, it's personified. It's almost like God himself. True godly wisdom is the word of God, right? So it says, wisdom cries out in the streets. In the marketplaces, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, simple one, will you love being simple? Now, that whole idea of being simple, is, is, the idea is really just a person going through a phase or a stage in life, just like the stage of adolescence, right? We're all supposed to go through it, but we're expected to grow out of it, right? And so the question is, how long will you remain simple? And then it goes on and says, how long, scoffers, will you delight in your scoffing? And fools hate knowledge, so get this. This is, in a, in a sense, it's like the voice of God crying out. And, and, I, and, I, was, and I was thinking, I, it was almost like the voice of God crying out to our cities today. To the, to the simple and to the scoffers and the mockers and the fools. God's heart, God's voice, God's word continues to speak. And it speaks through you. And it speaks through me. And then people have an opportunity if they want to receive it or not, or if they are going to reject it. Listen, if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. But because I have called... And you have refused to listen. I have stretched out my hand and nobody has heeded. Because you have ignored all of my counsel and would not respond to my reproof, I will also laugh at your calamity. And I will also mock when your terror comes. Wow. And it's easy sometimes, listen, it's easy for us to think that God is just like our sugar daddy up in the sky and it's just like, Dad, you know, I need this. And we don't talk to him anymore for a little while and God blesses us. But you know who God is? He is the creator of the universe. He is the sovereign, almighty, omnipotent, all-knowing, omniscient, king of kings and lord of lords. And he, in his love and in his passion for humanity, has given his best. But people choose to reject it. And in those people, God chooses to laugh. And says, because I extended my arm to you, 
I wanted to pour, I, I wanted to pour my spirit out on you. I wanted to reveal my word to you, but you wouldn't have anything to do with it. That's, that's hard. So who is the person that God blesses? Well, he rejects advice from those without God. He does not follow the example of sinners. He does not sit with those who reject God, the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord or the word of God. And on his law, he meditates both day and night. But on his word, he delights. The scripture I shared with you earlier, Psalm 119, Lord, your testimonies also are my delight. You know, there's a lot of things that I delight in. I delight in a game seven of NHL hockey that goes into overtime. I love it. I enjoy football. I'm a, you know what? I know my son calls me a fair weather Bronco fan. I confess it, I am, because when they suck, I don't want anything to do with them. I don't watch them. And I find another team that's my favorite that's usually winning. But you know what? I delighted in the Broncos kicking butt right over Carolina Panthers. Sorry, Panther fans. I delighted in it. There's a lot of things I delight. There's a lot of things you delight in. That's okay. But listen, the Word of God has to be our priority And there's nothing like getting up, making a cup of coffee. And my dog always has her own little routine. And i got to feed her, water her, bring her back in. But after that, she goes and lays down. And I could have my cup of coffee. And I can open up the Word of God. And allow it to speak to me. There's nothing like that. And those are times that we delight in, right? And so that's what the psalmist says. He says, I delight in your testimonies because what? They're my counselors. They're my counselors. And then he says this. So let me go back. Remember what I told you? My personal definition of uh, success is biblically what? Faithfulness and fruitfulness, right? Those two words. Okay, that's where we come back to. Faithfulness is, is th- this is what we, we talk about now, faithfulness. It's our responsibility. This is what he says. He says, on his law, he meditates both day and night. And in, in this whole idea of meditation, guys, we're not talking about Eastern philosophy and just, mm, none of that stuff. The idea is that we take God's word and we begin to read it and we allow it to speak to us, right? And we think about it. We, we, we allow it to, to enter our life, have entrance, right? And to transform us. Right? Remember Romans 12.1? Be not conformed to the world, but what? Transformed by the renewing of our mind. How are we renewed? Through God's word. So if we're faithful doing that and spending time and allow the word of God speaking to us, right? It begins to transform us. Listen, listen, listen to James 1.21. In humility, receive the word implanted, which is what? Able to save your soul. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who what? Delude themselves, deceive themselves. So he's talking about those who hear the word, right? Those who do the word, Right? For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. He's talking about his flesh. Right? You, I guarantee you, I would be surprised if less than 100% of us looked in the mirror this morning. Right? It's like, you know, somebody told me this morning, it's like, man, you haven't changed. It's just like, dude, you see these wrinkles? <laughs> of course I have. This, you know, this body's not going to last forever. We don't want it to. Right? God's got a glorious body uh, planned for us. But, but James says this. He says, um, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and he walks away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So you get the picture. It's like, well, you walk in, I don't have any hair, I don't have to worry about it. 
It's very convenient. Some of you do, right? But you look at it, if you need to comb your hair or you need to floss, the smart thing to do is to comb your hair and floss, right? You still out there? The problem is, is if you walk away and you're just like, how come? Did you see Pete over there? He didn't even comb his hair. And the chicken that he ate last night is still in his teeth, right? I'm glad Pete's not here. He's not going to hear you. I don't think he is. Don't tell him I said these things. He says, um, if he walks away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person that he was, right? And then it goes on and says, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, what, abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be what? Blessed in his deed. Right? So it's all about what? Not only hearing the word of God, but doing the word of God and responding to it. So we meditate on it. We allow it to transform us. And then it lives through us. Isn't that good news? And then it goes on. And I think I got a few more minutes. So you all right? It says that he is, he is like a tree planted firmly by streams of water. So think about a tree, right? Think about a tree planted by a nice river. And this is a tree that's been growing for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. I don't know, 100 years. And it's, it's strong. It's established. The, the root system is in place, and it's bearing fruit. And so the writer of Psalm 1 says, the man who meditates and does what God tells him to do is like what? He's like a tree planted by streams of water. So a tree represents a couple things to us. I think, first of all, stability with the ability to withstand storms of life and seasons of life. And as a church, we're going through a season of life, aren't we? Right? And we can withstand this. So part of maturity and growing is the ability to withstand the seasons of life. I actually am one of those who like change. I really, really do. I like change, and I get bored easily. So it's, and I think Greta got tired of me wanting to move a long time ago. You know, but I do. But some of us have a difficult time with it. So it it it, it represents stability. Um, Colossians two. Listen, therefore, as you have received Christ, so walk in Him. Rooted and built up in him and established in your faith. See, the goal of being a believer, one of the goals, is to grow and be mature. Right? Absolutely. You know this scripture as well, Ephesians 4. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by what? Waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. I remember I was over in the ministry to the military, and I was just a new believer. But, and I'm trying to learn the Word of God myself. But we had, it was a really interesting ministry, but we would have people come in that just had all of these crazy beliefs. Um, and um, I suppose in the, in the church generally that's true. You know, if you, if you don't spend time in God's Word and you don't, uh, aren't willing to be instructed by it or others... Um, you're more susceptible to false doctrine, right? So, so he says this. He says, if we're a tree, we're rooted, we're planted, we're meditating on it, we're walking in it, right? We will have stability when the winds of change come and when the false prophets arise in the church, right? Because we, why? we already know what the Word of God says. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Secondly, a tree represents and I already um, alluded to it, the concept of growth, right? First Peter 2, like newborn babes, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may what? Grow. Grow. That's what we want to do. First Peter 3, 17. Listen. Take care that you are not carried away. This, guys, this is the word of God that's speaking to us right now. Listen, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose 
your own stability, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a warning there for us. And, and I want to suggest to you, and you probably know it already, but times are not going to get any easier. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not prophesying here. I just have already read what we know to be true. But it's my experience, too. And, and I believe, I really do, I believe that there's a time coming that there will be just what we're reading, you know, that there's going to be mockers and, and scoffers that, that are rejecting God so blatantly. And the church, guess what? We can't run and hide. We can't go and, and bury our heads in the sand and pretend like they're not there. Because there's always going to be those winds of, of doctrine that are floating around, and there's always going to be false prophets. Okay? But what they bear fruit in season. Give me a couple more minutes. So remember, faithfulness is our responsibility to take God's word, meditate on it, allow it to speak to us, transform us, and walk in it, right? That's our responsibility, faithfulness. Fruitfulness is God's responsibility. Aren't you thankful for that? You don't have to work out your salvation. I don't have to work out my salvation. I don't have, matter of fact, Ephesians says that God has created good works for us that we might walk in them. So God is already preparing the things for you and I to do. We just have to, what, be faithful to walk through them. And then he bears the fruit. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will. The person who is abiding in Christ is more concerned about the will of God than anything. More concerned about the will of God in their relationships, in the church, in the world. He says this, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Psalm 92, 12, The righteous flourish like a palm tree. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap. Right? It's kind of funny sounding. You're ever full of sap. You get, you get the idea. And they're green. And this is why. It says this, to declare that the Lord is upright. See, my, the fruit that I bear in my life is not about me. It's about bringing glory to God. And, and Jesus is the Lord and Savior. And so he says, to declare the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Let me finish it up here. One more scripture. Uh, he says, the leaves do not wither whatsoever he does. We're starting back at the beginning. Whatsoever he does, what does he do? He prospers. He's successful. This is how we find success as believers. Success in God's eyes. Success in God's perspectives. One last scripture and then we'll close up. Joshua 1.8. You remember Joshua? What a great book. Great leader million, leading a million men and women into the, the, the land of Canaan to fulfill the promises of God. Moses is gone. My servant. Joshua, you're the servant. You're the leader now. You're the commander. This is what God spoke to him. He says this. He says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall what? Meditate on it. That's what we're talking about. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to it. Right? All that is written to it. This is what happens. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Don't you love that? Don't you love that? God's got it all figured out. and He's got it all worked out, you guys. And some of us are struggling in our relationship with family members or friends or maybe in the church, some th situations that's going on. It might be some confusion. Jesus is our leader. 
right? He's got it all under control. Our job is to get into God's word, allow it to speak to us. Whatever your present situation is, let God speak to you through his word, right? Amen. And then as we do that and we respond in obedience to it, we will be successful. We will be successful and prosperous. Guys, the church is always going to go forward, right? You know that? Are you kidding me? Can, can I, uh, one, one last text that I had with uh, Eric. We, we were just having a conversation, and I shared with him some of my concerns, and uh, not about this church, about other things that were going on. And he, you know, he texted back, he says, Joe, God's got this, and his timing is perfect. Thank you, Eric, for that reminder. Absolutely. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I know, Lord, that oftentimes when I read your word, I'm I'm so challenged by it. And um, sometimes I want to close my eyes to it, maybe because of fear, maybe because I don't, uh, I realize it's going to take some effort in walking in obedience to you. And I just want to pray for those that are here today. Uh, first of all, if uh, those that might be here today that don't know you as their Lord and Savior and that they have not placed their faith in you yet and surrendered their life, I pray, God, today that you'd give them a greater revelation of who you are and the purpose that you have for their life. I pray, Lord, that they would come to that point of total surrender of who you are. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through you. And Lord, I also pray, Lord, for the rest of us here today. God, we need your help every day. We need your spirit every day to lead us, to guide us, to give us love and compassion, not only for the church, but for those outside of the church that are needing hope. And I pray, Lord, that during this season, Lord, that we would not only find stability in your word, but God, that we would flourish. Lord, that there would be fruit that is being born everywhere that we look, in our lives, in our families, in the church. Lord, for your glory, declaring that the Lord is righteous and he is king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And God, so we give you the honor. We're thankful for this day, Lord. Teach us, God, to not only be hearers, but doers of your word, Lord. Bless the church. Bless this day for your glory. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and maybe this is new to you, um, there's several leaders around, but if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, talk to the person who brought you or look for one of the leaders. We'd like to talk a little bit more um, about that relationship with God, okay? Guys, have an awesome day.